Welcome to the It's Okay to Be Awesome podcast. We're your hosts, Rebecca and Anne. Today, we're exploring the topics of isolation and loneliness that can be felt during any transitional time of change, but that are especially relevant in the world today, as many people are feeling cut off from the freedom, structure, and community they used to know. And in hopes of shedding some new light on the darkness many are feeling, we're going to focus on the gifts that this time of isolation brings. Isn't it just amazing when life is going smoothly? When we have everything we need and are able to do all the things we want? Of course it is. But can life always be that way? No. Growth requires change. Big growth can require even bigger change. Take the butterfly in its cocoon, for example. When a larva reaches a certain level of growth, it's ready to morph into something completely new and different, something amazing and magical. But because there's some behind-the-scenes growth and change that has to happen to prepare it for the major leap into its next form, it doesn't just become a butterfly out of nowhere. It creates a cocoon first, before any of the transformation can happen. The cocoon is the space where it's safe to grow and change in the way that it needs to, to be able to live its new life and interact with the world in a completely new way. The cocoon isn't slowing it down, it's building it up. Without the cocoon, it couldn't transform. Just like the butterfly, our body needs to enter a type of cocoon when big change is happening. In that safe space, we're able to integrate everything that's going on around us and inside of us and safely connect with the insight and wisdom we need to evolve. And in the times we're being forced into a cocoon, like after a natural disaster or global pandemic, it's because the world needs us to evolve. So while we may not want to venture into a time of solitude, here are a few ways to make the absolute most out of it and to help us come out on the other end stronger and better than ever. Number one, we can show ourselves love. Instead of being upset at ourselves for feeling impatient or trapped or sad or mad, we can choose to be understanding of how we feel. If we offer ourselves support instead of judgment when we're scared or stressed, we feel better much sooner. You see, in times of change, stress or uncertainty, a common response is fear. And when we're afraid, stressed or overwhelmed, we think low or negative thoughts. That's why mental health suffers so much during transitional times. Sometimes it's because of what's going on around us, and sometimes it's because a fear we already have is triggered. Whatever it is, it's okay. It really is. It happens to everyone. How can we expect ourselves to know how to experience something we've never been through before? How can we expect ourselves to be free of fear if we haven't learned how to be? Also, what is fear other than afraid? Part of us is afraid and needs our help. So, instead of getting carried away with the fear or being hard on yourself for having the fear to begin with, and again, self-judgment is a huge factor in sadness and depression and is almost like kicking ourselves when we're down, we can take this opportunity right now to be kind to ourselves. We can choose to identify how we're feeling and then work with it. We can understand that we're afraid and either give ourselves a break and accept the feelings with compassion and let them pass, or we can support ourselves by reaching out for help. For example, if we're feeling low and lonely, instead of being angry at ourselves or feeling hopeless, thinking there's something wrong with us or that we're broken, we can choose to step back and take a new perspective. First, we can accept how we're feeling, instead of being mad at ourselves for feeling it. 
Accepting the feeling helps us separate ourselves from it. You see, because we have the ability to accept the feeling, we're bigger than it. And when we give our negative feelings acceptance and love instead of judgment, often the feeling will not be as scary. Sometimes it will actually dissolve entirely. The episode on emotions has a great exercise called a compassion circle to help you do this. Be sure to check it out later if you haven't already. Sometimes, though, if an unwanted feeling persists, showing ourselves love means reaching out for help. Remember, deep down, all we want is to feel good, and we don't become our best selves by ourselves. Another way to show yourself love is to do something nice for yourself. This can be by putting on comfy clothes, going for a walk, watching something funny, taking a bath, playing a game, or anything else that makes you happy. The second way we can help ourselves through a transitional or isolating time is we can get to know ourselves. If you really think about it, a lot of life is spent looking outside of ourselves. We see examples of who and what we are supposed to be, and then we do the things that get us there. We watch the TV shows, wear the clothes, join the groups and teams, get the grades, and eventually the job. Then we get married, buy a house, have children, and work until retirement. Often, we have so much expectations put on us by others and ourselves that we just walk the path most traveled. And when life moves quickly, we don't take the time to evaluate if we even like what we're doing. Isolation can be an opportunity to stop, step back, and connect with our true desires and truth. This time of evaluation and reconnection to self is in fact a time that other generations weren't given. So it really is a gift for us. So how can we take advantage of this pause from our daily lives and routines? How can we focus on who we really are and not who we've been told we are? One way of doing this is to try the things that you didn't have space for before. The things that make you happy or that genuinely interest you. The things that you want to know more about or to have more of in your life. For example, read a book about origami, paint a picture, write a song, and the list goes on and on and on. But how do you know what those things are, you ask? Well, get ready for a little exercise that can help. It's called making your joy list. That's right, it's making a list of all of the things that interest you or that you want to explore. And get excited. The most fun part of this joy list is making it. Because you essentially just get to set a timer for two minutes and write down everything you can think of that lights you up. Everything. Nothing is off limits. For those two minutes, you're giving yourself full permission to just flow. This is awesome because focusing on letting ideas flow and not judging them helps you not to overthink. And it gives you the mental space for ideas that you may not normally let come in when your mind is more closed. So let's do that now. Grab a piece of paper and a pen or pencil or crayon if you want to get wild and get ready to make your list. You can stop the recording here if you need to take a sec to get those things. Or if those things aren't accessible, you can come back to this exercise later today. Are you ready? Great! Press pause on this episode and start your own timer for two minutes now. Great work. Now, the next step is even more fun. It's looking over your list and noticing the ideas that have the most excitement or energy behind them. Go ahead, scan your list. Then circle the three ideas that have the most energy to them or that make you the most excited. Now, out of those three, which one is the most exciting to you right now? Circle it. That's your starting place for your new joy journey. Where is somewhere you can go to learn more about that topic or experience? What is an action step you can take to start exploring that further today? 
And finally, the third way we can help ourselves through a transitional or isolating time is we can get to know our inner world. Another amazing opportunity that alone time offers is the ability to go inside, to connect with yourself and your true needs, desires, and inner knowing. One great inner tool we all have, but that not all of us use, is our intuition. It's always been there, but we need to focus on it to hear it. And just like you can build up your muscles by going to the gym, you can also strengthen your intuition by working with it. Here's a cool exercise that can help with following your intuition in an instinctive way. Sometimes when we get in our head, we mull over things excessively, and this can lead to decision fatigue, where we start to get stressed over all the decisions we have to make in a day. This exercise is called the three-second rule, and it's as easy as its name. When faced with a simple day-to-day -day decision, like which outfit to wear, which book to read, what to order at the cafeteria, ask yourself what you'd prefer and decide within three seconds. When you do that, you will end up going with your gut and not overthinking or overcomplicating. Not second-guessing your initial choice will free up lots of time for you and will bring you more clarity. You can start with small things like what TV show to watch or what you want for lunch, and then you can move to bigger choices like if you want to try that sport or be in that friend group. The important thing here is to decipher between your intuition and fear. As a rule of thumb, your intuition is like a calm inner voice coming from a wise part of yourself, whereas fear is a panicked, rushed feeling, and decisions made from fear don't generally lead to your highest good. In fact, decisions made from fear often lead to more fear. In time, you'll see that all the wisdom you could ever need is actually inside of you. Our well-being depends on time spent in solitude balanced with time spent with others. While spending time with family, friends, and coworkers is great because we're social beings, it's also important for our soul that we have time to rest and integrate and connect with ourselves. In fact, time alone is really helpful for getting to know ourselves on a deeper level, for knowing what our personal truth even is, and for finding our voice and creating boundaries. Everything in life requires balance. The balance of experiencing both difficult, darker times and happier, lighter times is also needed. Because while light is incredible, you need darkness to grow. Think of a lotus flower. It's a beautiful, vibrant flower that sits upon its leaves on top of a body of water. Its roots go down under the water's surface into the mud below. At night, the flower closes and sinks to the bottom and then rises again with the light of a new day. Stephen Farmer, an author who helps people connect to their inner self, says, What we learn from this amazing plant is how our own spiritual path unfolds and opens to the light, then at time gently folds in on itself for a proper rest when the daylight fades. This period is just as necessary for growth, for it allows the plant to integrate what it has learned in nourishment during the day. It's also just as important that it's rooted and it's yet another miracle of nature that something so exquisitely beautiful is formed from the mud at the water's bottom. Just like the lotus flower, the shadows of our human experience like hurt, sorrow, and emotional pain are part of the process called life. They help us evolve and grow. It's natural to go through painful moments and our darkness is part of the divine balance of all things. Like the lotus, we can rise from a place of murkiness. Facing, experiencing, and overcoming our own darkness can lead us to helping others overcome theirs. Now it's time to talk about our brain. And no, we don't mean the one in your head. Did you know that your heart has a brain too? 
It can convey messages and knowing because the heart is smart, you know. In fact, studies by the HeartMath Institute, a center researching the heart-brain connection and how the heart influences our perceptions, emotions, intuition, and health, reveal that the electrical signals from the heart are up to 60 times stronger than the brain's, and the magnetic field is as much as 5,000 times more powerful. Isn't that cool? Sayings like, listen to your heart or follow your heart, stem from truth. The heart's intelligence guides us softly, so our job is to listen closely. As a society, we're so used to only listening to our minds and logic, and unfortunately that doesn't give us the whole picture, and we're often left disconnected from our hearts and inner truth. We're not saying that logic isn't needed. We're saying that most of us live only from logic, and that's where the problem is. We need a balance of logic and heart-knowing to have a more harmonious and healthy life. In fact, not only is living from the heart better for everyone, but it's necessary. In fact, in times like a global pandemic where old ways of thinking and living are clearly not working for our highest good anymore, the universe is asking us to evolve. This is our opportunity to tap into a deeper wisdom that's available to all of us and live in a new way, a heart-led way. What does living heart-led feel like? Here's an exercise for you to try. Find something in the room to look at. It can be a lamp, a painting, a flower, anything you like, just notice it. Notice what it looks like. Next, close your eyes and bring your attention to your heart space in the middle of your chest. Focus on your heart space every time you breathe in and out. Notice when you breathe in that you energize your heart and it expands. Good. And when you breathe out, notice it contract. Good. Now I'm going to ask you to take 10 more breaths like this, where when you breathe in, you picture your heart expanding, and when you breathe out, you picture your heart contracting. It's a good idea to pause the episode now so you can do this on your own time. When you're done your 10 breaths, press play again. Welcome back. Now you can open your eyes and look at the same object you looked at at the beginning of the exercise. What do you notice? How does it look now? Can you see its details more clearly? Is it more colorful or bright? How do you feel? What many people notice after breathing into and energizing their heart is that they feel better. Colors seem brighter, details are clearer, and they feel more peaceful and present. They see more beauty, or they're able to see the beauty that's already around them more clearly. This simple meditation is a great way to start the day. It's also a great way of both energizing the heart so that it's more involved in our thoughts and choices, and of helping us see the world through a more loving lens. So give yourself permission to follow your heart. You may just be amazed at where it leads you, because at the end of the day, Following your heart won't only benefit you, it'll benefit so many more people. As the popular quote by Howard Thurman says, Don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it, because what the world needs is people who have come alive. Remember, in times of solitude or aloneness, we can get to know ourselves better, connect with our hearts on a deeper level, and show ourselves love. Solitude doesn't have to be a negative experience. It can be really enriching and powerful. Just think of that lotus flower who needs the darkness and mud and rest to become its wonderful self. 
A beautiful quote from one of my favorite poetry books by Rupi Kaur goes, Fall in love with your solitude. Wouldn't it be awesome if we truly embraced our alone time with ourselves? It's time for Q&A. Here are some questions that were sent in by kids like you. Question number one. What's the difference between loneliness and being alone? One is a feeling and one is a fact. Loneliness is a feeling. We may feel we have no support, that there's no one there to love us or to give us the company that we crave. We can actually be surrounded by other people and still feel lonely. And there's a difference between feeling alone and being alone. Being alone is a neutral fact. There's no feeling attached to it. It's not good or bad. It just is. And if we find that true connection with ourselves and love ourselves, then we can be alone and not feel lonely. Question number two. How do I know when I should stop spending time alone trying to feel better and reach out for help instead? There's never a wrong time to ask for support. You can talk to someone you love and trust anytime, even when you're going through aloneness. I know this growth period is helpful for you. If your intuition is nudging you to reach out to someone, go for it. Getting support doesn't negate the self-growth you experience through challenging times. Also, if you've been thinking about a problem for a while and start to get hard on yourself, feel hopeless, or wonder if there's something wrong with you, that's a good time to reach out for help. If you ever find yourself feeling ashamed for needing help or thinking that you're the only one going through what you're going through, remember that most people who help us, like counselors, psychologists, coaches, know how to help us because they've been through something similar themselves. Question number three. What do I do when no one in my life knows how to connect with their heart? How do I stick to listening to and following my own heart? That's a great question, and one many people have. Because we can't change how people think, feel, or act, that's up to them. All we can do is be an example for them. Once people see how much happier we are when we live from our heart, they may be inclined to try it too. They may not, though, and that's okay. It's not your responsibility to make them. It's time for life work. Life work question number one. In each situation, tell us whether the person acted from intuition or fear. Remember, intuition is an inner nudge that leads you to your highest good, and it's often a calm and peaceful feeling. Fear is a panicked and rushed feeling, and making a decision out of fear often leads to more fear. Situation number one. Jennifer was invited to a theater camp. Though she loves acting, when she got the invitation, she felt scared about going, so decided not to go. Take a moment to write in your journal whether Jennifer acted from intuition or fear. That's right, she acted from fear. Situation two. When asked to clean his room, Juan used the three-second rule. Because he hates cleaning his room, Juan told his father, no. Did Juan act from intuition or fear? Take a moment to write it down in your journal. That's right, Juan acted from fear. Situation number three. When the principal asked Zadie if she could take photos for the yearbook, she felt nervous. But because photography is her passion and she loves doing it, she decided to say yes. Did Zadie act from intuition or fear? Write it down in your journal. That's right, Zadie acted from intuition. 
Life work question number two. Have you ever experienced loneliness or isolation? If you're feeling lonely, what can you do? Life work question number three. Why do you think it's important to listen to your heart? And there you have it. You have the power to create anything you want for your life. Thanks for joining us for this episode. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Anne. And remember, it's okay, okay to be awesome. Sky's the limit and you only got a minute so you ain't gonna stop me now. Sky's the limit and you only got a minute so you ain't gonna stop me now. No way, no how.